It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth, presented by Core Water. Hey, welcome in Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside of Mike uh, Evans, Scott the Hub, producing the show. Got to thank our uh, our presenting sponsor, the great people over at Core Water. Core Water, hydratewithcore.com. Uh, perfectly balanced to match your body's natural pH level of 7.4, which is phenomenal. I mean, I'm telling you what, you've seen me. If you haven't seen me lately, you should see me because I look great. <laughs> and uh, one of the reasons I look great is I've been working out, and uh, when I work out, I drink nothing but cool water. <laughs> it's making me huge. I, and uh, I like how freaking sexy. humble you are. I mean, you, you, so here's here's what folks Mark dropped on uh, on me earlier today. Um, now, there's a picture that floats around occasionally on the uh, internet, uh, mm-hmm. World Wide Web, of Mark back in his, what was this, high school, early college? That was, high a, school? that picture is 17 years old. 17 years school, old. Just Folks, freaking it's jacked. ridiculous. The fact that one man can have so much is just obscene. Uh-huh. And, I mean, you know, I mean, people, Mark said, yeah, you know, back in the day I looked like a... Kind of like a young, yoked Patrick Swayze. And then he dropped on me today. Yeah, back in the day, people confused me with Jose Canseco when he was with the A's and all uh-huh. jacked up and mullet and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, pretty pretty yeah, well, uh, high I, opinion of yourself. The, well, no, it's just, it, I mean, it's is it a high opinion of yourself if it's true? <laughs> like, it's not. It's not. Okay. So, here's the deal, Mike. Like, I was in college. One of my buddies uh. lived. One of my buddies actually, uh, we were in Northern California because my buddy, we were driving through Northern California um, on our way up. I don't know what we were doing, but we were driving um, through Northern California. I think maybe from Idaho to Washington State, detoured through Northern California, believe it or not, because his girlfriend lived there. And I think we were taking her home on our way up to Washington State. So we made a huge road trip out of it. And so we hung out in in that Bay Area for why Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire and, and why that A's team was just lighting things up. And you know, I'm I'm you know pretty jacked, probably two forty five, and uh, and got a mullet and um, you know and and a tan because it's summertime. And I, everywhere I went in Northern California for those two or three days, people asked me to sign Jose Canseco autographs. <laughs> And I'm like, dude, I'm not Jose Canseco. And they go, come on, Jose, sign the autograph, you know. And I'm like, dude, I'm not Canseco. Um, I'm much better looking than him. Oh, so that, man. but that was that's what happened to me. So I'm just telling, I'm just, I'm just relaying the information, Mike. It's not, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. You're unbelievable, unbelievable. All right, so uh, how about that draft, huh? How about that NFL draft? It's in the books. It was, it was really. You know, it was a fascinating draft, wasn't it? It was, you know, for all the buildup and all the hyperbole and everything, I, it was one of the more interesting drafts, I thought, with a lot of compelling storylines. None bigger than the Giants taking Daniel Jones. Right. I mean, who saw that coming? Yeah, you know, you know what's, what's crazy? Because a lot of people had Haskins going yeah. to the Giants, and, you know, Haskins comes out after he goes to Washington and essentially says, I'm going to, you know, make the league pay, uh, you know, I'm going to, like, one, shut up. Like, n- you know what? Uh, there are plenty of guys who have had their feelings hurt during the draft. You're not, you're not the first. You won't be the last. And I appreciate the competitiveness, and I know it was, it was really truly pointed more – at the Giants for not taking him, but you know what? I just am like, it's like, remember when Deshaun Kaiser was drafted and he said, 
before the draft, he goes, I have the body of Cam Newton, the brains of Tom Brady. <laughs> and I and I just told you right then, I go, take him off your draft board. You cannot draft that idiot, right? Like I I'm like just like, hey man, I get that you didn't go kind of where you want to go, but you don't need to say anything. And, and and you know, with that said, speaking of Dave Gettleman, see see, this is interesting because Dave Gettleman you know, has a post-game press conference or whatever, a post-draft press conference, and, and says, you know, they ask him about Dwayne Haskins. He goes, hey, you know, we, we had him on our radar. We watched him. He called it the Big 12 in the Big 12 championship game. And then he's like, well, whatever it is, you know. And I'm like, you're like, Lord. And then he comes out and says, like, you don't know exactly what conference he played in, or at least you misspoke. But do you do know in, in the misinformation campaign that is the NFL draft, you do know that he said, I know for a fact that two teams were going to take Daniel Jones before we could get him at 17. And, and I'm like, really? You, you did know that for sure, right? And one of those teams was Denver, and Denver wasn't on him. Denver liked Drew Locke. They, they did not like Daniel Jones. Like, I don't think you really knew. Now, now here's my thing with Dave Gettleman, um, who's always been kind of an inside-out, build-the-team-from-the-line-of-scrimmage-first guy. And, and Dave Gettleman was a scout in Denver when I played in Denver. So I've known Dave forever. He, here's my deal. You don't know the media jack. Like, why do you even comment on it? Like, here, here's my deal. Did you want to marry Daniel Jones, or you just want to date him for a while? Which one is it? Because you're coming off like you just want to date him. If you, if you during the draft evaluation process, if you evaluated that guy and you thought that that guy had the highest ceiling of any quarterback and that guy under the tutelage of Eli Manning is going to become a franchise quarterback for the next 15 years, then own that. Marry the damn guy. Come out and say, hey, listen, we think he's going to be a generational player. That's our evaluation on him. So we were we were happy at six to grab him. End of story. Stop the questions. Now, I get that you didn't want to wait to 17 because maybe you thought he might be gone. Ultimately, to me, hey, we're in a rebuilding process. This team was a mess when I got here. We're rebuilding this team. I would have loved to get Josh Allen at six, but I thought Daniel Jones would be gone, and we think he's a he's got the potential of being a generational quarterback. We took him. Like, we didn't want to trade. And, and here's the other thing. We didn't want to trade back up from 17 to get to 10 or whatever to get him because we need as much draft capital as possible, and we didn't want to give up, you know, a second-round pick to move up there. Like, I don't understand. I don't understand why you have to make excuses if you love a guy. Yeah, but it's it's easier. But you're you're recognizing you love the guy, but you're also recognizing, whoa, whoa, this is a pick that's gonna you know surprise a lot of people. It's Who gonna, gives it's, a shit? Well, but because because you you're in New York, you know you're you don't have to spend much time in New York become because before you become somewhat sensitive to what people are talking about because they're constantly talking about you and crit- criticizing you, and it's it's a way to to build your case by saying, well, listen, hey. I mean, not only were we on him, but, you know, two other teams were on him to the point that, you know, he wouldn't have lasted. I mean, you're just trying to legitimize the pick. That's all. Right. But all I'm saying is, is you're the GM. You get to make the decision. You don't have to legitimize Jack. Yeah, but how many? You, how many you open but, yourself up? But how you, many GMs can really do? How many GMs are on such solid footing, you know, that they can go full Belichick and say something like that? But, okay, so let me ask. Yeah, I, I get that. 
But let me ask you this. If you really, if you, like, to me, by making the excuse, you know what you do? You open yourself up to scrutiny where people say, well, you don't really believe that he can be. You're like, you don't really believe that he's a franchise quarterback. You were just, like, you just made, uh, uh, you you were scared, so you made the pick. Like, I, I would just rather you come out, like, if I'm a fan of the Giants, I would rather you come out you know, double down, be demonstrative and say, hey, man, this guy's generational. He's going to be like he's going to be he's Eli Manning with more athletic ability. And like to me end the discussion. That's what he is. We took him because he's that good and he's going to sit behind and actually learn the game the way it should be taught behind Eli for a year. Like, I, I, I don't know. I just I just think. The way Dave Gettleman has backtracked and made excuses and then talked about other teams draft, you know, like I, I just think it I just think to me it looks like you panicked. But see, I just I just think there are so few guys out there that that have the conviction, that have the swagger and they have the don't give a bleep right. to come out and act a certain way. Like, a, 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 all right, two guys that jumped out to me, Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll. All right. Bill Belichick did another classic Belichick draft where he just kept trading back. He just kept trading picks. Right. And it was a classic case of, okay, uh, the, we're up now and there's nobody here that we feel we have to have that we can't get six, eight picks later, so let's trade back. You know, it's just, it's that it's that confidence boarding on arrogance that we're smarter than you. Right. And you can't blame him for feeling that way. And then how about Pete Carroll, who, who makes – so, what, what are you going to this draft with four picks? And he came out with like eleven. Right. I mean, you you want to talk about the belief that I'm smarter than everybody else in this room, and I can keep making these moves because I'm going to end up with all kinds of players that nobody else thinks uh, are that good, and I'm mm. just going to keep drafting, keep trading back, keep accumulating picks because I know more than you do, and I'll find a bunch of really good players. Yeah, you know what? You got to respect that, yeah, but there are well, very few like that. Yeah, it, 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 and Pete, you, you nailed it with those two guys, and Pete Carroll, and obviously in Seattle with uh, with John Schneider, and and I think one of the things you had to do, like, you know, we we live in a day and age where I've never seen players more empowered. Like they they just they like there's certain players who are just empowered, and Russell will. We've seen power plays. I mean, we saw. Um, Antonio Brown make a power play with the Pittsburgh Steelers and end, end up, you know, on a on one of the highest contracts as a wide receiver in the in the in the league. Gets a new deal out of the thing, complains and and whines and and bashes the organization until he gets traded, gets a new deal out of that trade, and now he's in Oakland, you know, where he's getting what he wants, lots of money and no wins, um, you know. But as long as he gets targets, he doesn't care about winning; he just wants targets. And, and he got everything he wanted. And then we saw Russell Wilson, who is not in the same vein as, as far as, you know, the character of a man is considered. But he basically gave an ultimatum to the CLC Hawks. I want a new deal by April 15th. That's when it has to be done. And they found a way to get that done. But the thing that interests me about that is that because they're paying him $35 million a year, now they need some cost control, right? Now they need as many draft picks and as many young guys to make the team as possible. And they go into the draft with four. I don't know how they go into the draft with four picks and they come out with 11, Mike. Like, that's wheeling and dealing. And just like you said about New England, same type of thing. So kudos to the Seattle Seahawks for going in with four and coming out with 11. Yeah. And, you know, and, and honestly, 
you know, we know that this is kind of a 50-50 crapshoot anyhow because you never know how a guy, as good as a guy is in college, you never know what that guy is going to be when he gets into the NFL. Like, well, how is he going to translate? How is he going to transition? Is the game mentally going to be too big for him? Physically, is he going to be too big for him? Is, is the stage too Are the lights too bright? I, I don't know. Like, I've seen a million guys that look like, you know, when they were drafted, look like they were going to be players. They get in the league and they can't play a lick. And I've seen guys that don't look like much when they get drafted who, who develop into great players. Like, you, you just don't know. But I would think your odds are dramatically improved of, of hitting on a bunch of guys when you have 11 picks versus four picks. Well, you think so. But, it, I mean, it takes a lot of balls to do this kind of strategy of trading back a lot because every time you trade back, you're opening yourself up to the idea that, well, okay, wait a minute. Yeah. You just traded back and passed on this guy and look at the All next right. six guys who got drafted before you traded back and made your pick. You know, you could have had that guy. Right. It, it, takes, it takes guts. It takes confidence. But it also takes a, a lot of – Hey, I don't, I don't give a bleep. And right. a lot of general managers out there, they don't have that kind of cachet. They don't have that kind of resume that allows them to do it. They, they feel like, hey, I got to make my pick where my pick is. You know, otherwise people are going to be able to second, second guess me. Right. You do have to have, you know, you do have to have kind of a, a lot of uh, in from a credibility standpoint. In the credibility bank, you have to have a lot of I don't give a shit. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> you, I, I give yeah. zero shits. Right. Um, and, and, you know, it's it's funny because there's been a lot of reports. If you read, you know, the draft analysis and the breakdowns, and, and I read a report where a bunch of uh, general managers said uh, that they thought the New England Patriots had the best draft class in, in football. And, um, you know, kudos to the Patriots because they do that. But, but you know what's crazy about that to me is the reason the Patriots are good at what they do there's there's a couple things philosophically speaking this is a great business lesson by the way I use this kind of perspective in business all the time with my green chili business and everything else is they have this philosophical approach to the draft or to free agency and, and the and the approach comes from bill belichick don't tell me what a player can't do tell me what he can do and let me go after the can do players like let me put them in positions to win based upon what they are so he he takes the draft, and as opposed to poking holes in everybody, he says, what are the strengths? And let me draft based on strengths and based on um, specialties. Like, the, everything is, this guy has a role in this kind of specialty situation. Um, it's a situational football league, and he does a better job than just about anybody. The other thing the Patriots do better than everybody else is they develop players. And so there's a reason they have success. You know, I, I I was thinking about this the other day. Kyle Van Oy became, you know, like he was great in the Super Bowl. He was great in the playoff stretch run. I mean, he really became a good player for them. You know what he was in Detroit? He was a bust. Like, ah, oh, we, we missed on that one. Right? We, we missed on Van Oy. He just didn't, never really developed here. Well, you get the right coaching. You get coaches that will put you in a situation not to expose your weaknesses, but to expose your strengths. I mean, that's what the Patriots do year in and year out. That's how they go about their business. And, you know, I mean, I, I, a lot of it comes from, like you said, Bill Belichick does not give a shit what you think. He doesn't. Um. And one of the most amazing things I've ever seen, Mike, and, and I'll get off the draft for a minute. I don't know if you've seen this clip, but it was right before kickoff of the Super Bowl, and 
they were in Atlanta in the Mercedes-Benz Dome, and they hadn't closed the roof. The roof was open for the flyover. And Bill called over one of the officials and was like, um, how long does it take this roof to close? Blah, blah, blah. Is it going to be closed before we kick off? And the official said, it's supposed to be, but I don't know. It takes like 11 minutes to close it, and it depends off if they started on time. But so are, are we waiting till the roof is completely closed before we kick off? No, we're going to kick off at the at the – at the time that we're supposed to kick off. So if the roof isn't closed, it isn't closed. You know, if it's still in the process of closing, right. it's good. And he, and then he made the decision based on that, whether to kick off or receive because of the, the potential of swirling winds without the roof being closed. You show me one other coach in the NFL that was actually thinking about that. I mean, it's, it's one of the most remarkable clips I've ever watched. And he's pissed. Like, he, he just, I'm like, are you kidding me? Mike, who thinks about stuff yeah, like that? Every last detail, right? Right. It's just is, and that's just, you know, I mean, that to me is, you know, it's like he's he's the White Goodman of, of the NFL. You remember White Goodman from Dodgeball, right? <laughs> yes. White Goodman from Dodgeball, was the, and, and they've got the, you know, the Jim Global Jim. We're better than you, and we know it, right? <laughs> that, that's the New England Patriots. They are the Global Jim. Of the National Football League. Yep. Yep. Uh, how about the crowded, crowded, young, up-and-coming quarterback landscape now in the AFC? If if you're to believe the hype, right? Right. You got Patrick Mahomes. You got Deshaun Watson. You've got uh, Sam Darnold. You got Josh Allen. Uh, you got Baker Mayfield. And now you got Sam Rosen, who came out. Sam Rosen, Josh Rosen. I keep, Sam I keep, Rosen. I keep wanting to call him Sam Rosen, the eighty-two-year-old Sam Rosen, the, the esteemed, the esteemed right. broadcast voice there over at Fox, who's been doing how, football how and hockey. Sam, how old is uh, Sam, Sam Rosen? Rosen's a legend, but I keep wanting to He's call great, Josh yeah. Rosen Sam Rosen. But Josh, you got Josh Rosen in there as well. My goodness, I mean, Tom Brady must be shaking. In, Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger and Philip Rivers and Andrew Luck almost be. Shaking in their boots with yes. all these uh, young guns coming after him. I know. Sam Rosen, only 71, by the <laughs> way. Only 71. Only yeah. 71. You just dated him like 10, 9, 11 years. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, I know. Part of the Hall of Fame 5 draft <laughs> class, right? Three of the Hall of Fame 5 are right there in the AFC. I mean, how many championships? Because you got to think Brady's going to win at least four more because he's playing until he's like 50, right? Right. So he'll win at least four. Like, in the next 15 years... There will be just out of that division alone. So let's give Brady in fifteen the next fifteen. Cause let's say he plays another five years till he's forty six, right? So let's say he wins in those five years. He's going to win at least. Well, they'll go to four. He'll win three, right? Is that about right? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So if he plays to fifty, then he's going to win at least five more. So let's say he plays to fifty. So in the next nine years, he's going to win five. And then, you know, how many does does Rosen, uh, Darnold, and, and, and Josh Allen win? Because they're all going to the Hall of Fame. Right. You know, they're all the, it's the Hall of Fame class. I mean, how many people said, hey, man, this quarterback class last year was exactly, I mean, exactly like the 83 class. How about, by the way, it, you know, all kidding aside, how about the Arizona Cardinals? Like, I'm telling you. I called five games of the Arizona Cardinals last year. 
they had they had a tight end and at least four offensive linemen that retired and didn't tell anybody. <laughs> Their running back forgot how to play football. I mean, he literally it literally looked like 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 he went blind for the season. Like that it was that bad. Their their most dynamic athlete was still Larry Fitzgerald in year fifteen. And you know, and all of a sudden Josh Rosen's a bad guy, right? Like he's terrible. I'm I'm like they are all they they've completely like totally gutted and revamped their whole roster in one offseason. And it's funny, like Steve Kime is their GM, he's a buddy of mine. Who it, it's it's he like you talk about Teflon. Like, and you aren't you the one that put that team together? Yeah. They were god awful, and you hired a coach that you fired in one year, and now you went and got a, a coach from Texas Tech that was thirty-five and forty um, in his years as an offensive genius who couldn't win with Patrick Mahomes. Okay, all right. Like, if you can figure that one out, good luck. Um, but Rosen has like Rosen has been classy, Mike. He's been great. I just have my my question, and I've met with him several times. I, I found him engaging. I found him intelligent. I, like it was fun to meet with him. But here's a guy who couldn't consistently win, and the team got worse. I think when he was at UCLA, and Pac-12 football is garbage. In the overall landscape of the Big Five conferences, Pac-12 is it, it's got to be the worst. Well, right? why, why, why do you? What do you mean by garbage? They don't play defense. Ah, okay. <laughs> like there is I, that, right? Like, like okay. The Big Twelve doesn't play defense either, right? Right. But they put up some some like eye popping offensive numbers in the Big Twelve, correct? And there you is should. still and there is still sense that there's still a little bit of ruggedness, you know, to right. the Big Twelve. I mean, right? You know, Big okay. Eight, Big Ten, Big Twelve. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so at least. Okay, if you're not going to play defense, you should have eye popping offensive numbers. And you're right. There's some some ruggedness. I just feel like the I feel like Pac-12 football, and maybe it all started when when Chip Kelly took over in Oregon. You know my uh, affinity for Chip Ooh, Kelly, yeah. Um, but maybe it all started when you know it, it became a pillow fight conference. They're not play defense and they don't hit anybody. Kind of soft, right? And 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 he put up he put up average. Like to call it average might be a a, a you know might be an insult to average things. He put up average numbers at UCLA. Did he not? I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me. No, it was not that good. Would, no. That would require a Google search, which I'm not. Uh, hey, this podcast, I am not willing to Google search. <laughs> I'm not. No, no, nor should you. No, we're no, just put, rolling I, here. We're I just, put my, no, I we're put just my foot down. Facts. Right. Uh, let, somebody, let somebody else fact check this podcast. This, this, we're going to change the name from the stinking truth to verbal diarrhea yeah. with stinking Yeah, mind. somebody else can uh, fact yeah. check this. You know, I mean, look, if the president can just go on rants and then leave it to somebody else to fact check, we sure, sure as heck you can. Know what, you know what's great about, like, it's one of the things, my favorite things about, like, the, the Kornheiser and Michael Wilbon show. Is at the end they have a fact checker that says, "Here's the things you guys said wrong." <laughs> have you ever? You, you, yeah, what is that show? Yeah. Pardon my, yeah. pardon the interruption. Yeah, yeah. yeah some guy comes on. It's Tony Reale. Yeah. comes on, and goes, yeah. "Okay, here's all the things you guys said." Right, wrong. right. We need that guy. Yeah, we're close. We need our, our hey, own we're, Tony Reale to do that. Sh- this show is all about ish. <laughs> it's right. Ish. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's sort of like yeah, it's yeah, it's close. All right. So, all right. Let, 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 let's wrap it up this way. Right. It's been it's been three months of uh, team building, okay? Free agency, cuts, uh, 
mm-hmm. the draft. Do you anticipate the NFL season looking that much different than what we just watched this past year in terms of the teams to beat? I mean, uh, did, did, did anybody really vault into contention by what they did during this offseason? Did anybody really uh, make moves that, that knocked them out of contention? Right. I You know, I think there's always – there's the, the – the good teams are going to be the good teams. I mean, there's there's always a few teams that surprise and a few teams that fall apart, you know? I mean, that and a lot of that is injury-related. Like, Atlanta last year was not a playoff team that has all kinds of, of unbelievable weapons on the offensive side of the ball, but they, they lost their running back, got hurt. Um, you know, the three of their offensive linemen got injured. Um, I, I, Julio Jones plays hurt every game. Like, they had some issues, and the result was they weren't very good. You know, one team that I think has done a phenomenal job, and they had a hold on last year. They just had a hold on because of all their injuries was the 49ers. And, like, they're playing with a bunch of fourth-string wide receivers. They were playing with a third-string quarterback. Um they had, they have defensively, they had a bunch of backups. They were down there, fourth string safeties. They were like, they had injury issues galore, like you wouldn't believe. And they never really had edge presence rushers. And I think they've done a phenomenal job of addressing their issues in free agency and in the draft. They'll get Jimmy Garoppolo back. That to me is a team that has a chance under Kyle Shanahan to all of a sudden like pop on the scene and and make like make huge strides. Now they do play in a division that has not only Seattle but has the Rams. Um but but that'll be interesting. It's always interesting to me to see kind of do you have a Super Bowl hangover and how do you deal, you know, with success and with guys that want new contracts and all those things. The Rams are are an interesting team to me. But the usual suspects are still going to be good, I believe. Um, but there's always one or two teams that kind of pop up and shock people. Give me a shock team. Well, I, I just gave you one in San Francisco. Yeah, give me another. Give me an AFC, AFC one. An AFC shock team. Shock team. You know, the trendy pick of the Brownies. Well, which, you know, here's the thing. I love I love the talent the Browns have. Um, you know, speaking of, of guys who come out and say things that are stupid, how about Greedy Williams being the 46th pick overall in the second round and coming out and saying, we're going to win the Super Bowl? <laughs> we're? What, do you have a turd in your pocket? You haven't put a squirt of piss in the NFL bucket. Like, how do you say I shit that, like that? I knew that? that comment would drive you nuts. That's the kind of stuff that just drives you crazy. Right. How do you say that? But, you know, I, I look at their draft. Man, I, Greedy Williams is a damn good player. Mac Wilson, the inside linebacker from Alabama, they get in the fifth round. Like, they they have got an outstanding football team. The kid they got out of BYU, I can't say his name, the linebacker can really run. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, but if I was a gambling man, Mike, everybody has them picked as, oh, this team that's going to shock the world and going to be great, right? If I was a gambling man, um, I'd still take the Steelers to win the division. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are trendy. They are exciting. I'll give you that. I think they've got a chance to be to be really good to build off of what they did last year. Um, you know, I, I really get uh, I get concerned about like the Baltimore Ravens, all the defensive changes, all the guys they lost on the defensive side, and 
like eventually the league catches up to gimmick offense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's Wildcat was all the rage, right? And then all of a sudden it became a gimmick and nobody runs it anymore. Like that concerns me a little bit about the about the Ravens. I'm really interested to see. Here's my here's a team in the AFC. All right, you, you mentioned all those things. I'm really interested to see if there's a huge bounce back by Jacksonville mm, because they're okay. super. They're still super okay. talented. Yeah, yeah. On the defensive side, as talented as they are on the defensive side, they get Josh Allen. Um, and and you know what? There's some schools that just produce players at a certain position. How about Kentucky producing linebackers? Yes. Lately, right? You go back to, to Wesley Woodyard, yeah. who's still one of the best in the business playing for Tennessee. He's a great all-around player. He doesn't go to Pro Bowls because he doesn't put up big sack numbers. Right. But he's a complete player, uh, a four-down player, plays on all their special teams. He's phenomenal. Um, Danny Trevathan, yep. just a great inside linebacker for Chicago Bears now, obviously great. Uh, Bud Dupree, uh, edge presence for the Steelers. He's been really good out of Kentucky. Now Josh Allen, who can really rush the passer. Um, I just I, I like what they did in the draft. I think this is a elite level defense that didn't play very well last year because of the offensive issues that they've had, and now you know they've got the quarterback, um, who you know Nick Foles, who went through his his quarterback rehab, so to speak. It'll be really interesting to see that football team and how they respond. All right, real quick. Speaking of another Josh Allen, what about the Bills? That that's been thrown around as maybe a, a trendy pick. That if there's if there's one team that's set to maybe challenge the Patriots or at least stand up a little bit to the Patriots in the AFC East. Mm-hmm. It's Buffalo. Yeah. I you know what I like about Buffalo? I mean, Josh Allen's got a big arm. We know that. He's athletic. He can make some plays and stuff. Um I like the way they're coached. You know, when I look at them, I just think that they really they really focus on things that I think win. Line of scrimmage, like tackling on defense winning the line of scrimmage and and running the ball. Sean McDermott has done a very good he's just been a, a, a he's a technician. He's a technique guy. Um he just does he just does a good job with that stuff. And you know, Ed Oliver, good player, uh, the kid out of Houston. Um I thought Cody Cody Ford is one of those guys that doesn't test out well. Like he's like he's kind of big and a little bit like you think, oh he's not quite a good enough athlete or whatever at the right tackle position. But when you watch him on film, man, he strikes the snot out of guys, right? And and he's just like one of those guys that probably doesn't test out real well, but just wins every battle. So, I, yeah, I, I I really I'm a I like Buffalo. We'll see how Josh Allen actually progresses, but yeah, I mean, I think I think I think they're pretty good. All right. Well, the draft was fun, and uh, you know, we'll still have a chance to kind of digest everything. There was so much that came out of it, but. Uh, it was fun. Good, good, good. Couple month build up to a draft that I thought was. And by the way, uh, if if you need any more evidence about how big the draft has become, my goodness, the crowds in Nashville, the television ratings. Oh my! Gosh. I mean, anybody who thinks that you know the draft is overrated and it's losing steam. Huh, I mean, it's it's only getting bigger. I mean, it's crushing NBA and NHL playoffs like ten to one, eleven to one. <laughs> I know it's not. I mean, even, are you kidding it, me? It's not the draft. Like the, the the it's it's nothing but potential. Potential. We always said the NFL is a four letter word. It's a dirty word, right? And yet, potential crushes 
real live games. Dude, how how I tell you what, they just uh, the NFL licensed to print money. Yep. Yep. Selling crack to crack addicts. A 365 day a year monster that just needs to be fed. Yep. Like dragons. Yeah. Game of Thrones. Oh man! You know what? <laughs> I was disappointed. Not enough dragons, but that Winter Warlock guy. <laughs> Winter amazing. Warlock. See, amazing, Don't. amazing. Listen, you want to get people mad at you? Okay, there's a lot of things you say that people put up with. You want to start getting people really mad at you? Get Game of Thrones f- fans mad at you and start calling him the Winter Warlock. Don't oh, do yeah. that. The Don't. Winter Warlock. Yeah. Hey, let me just say this about Game of Thrones. Yeah. G O T O M G. Boom. Hey, for everybody, for everybody involved with the Stinky Truth Podcast, we thank you so much. Love to thank our uh, presenting sponsor, the folks over at Core Water, hydratewithcore.com. For Mike, for Scott, I'm Mark. We'll talk to you guys later.